This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure, long gone. Fly the W! Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley-Jean. Welcome in to another edition of Fly the W670 podcast. This is season one. It is, believe it or not, episode 18. And we're calling this one Cubs Sweep, not swept. I'm Dustin Rhodes, executive producer of the Mully and Haw Show. We are on weekdays from 5.30 until 10. I take you from 5 to 5.30 in a solo show, a little warm-up, if you will. And, of course, we are the official home of Cubs baseball on 670 The Score. And, as always, I'm joined by my buddy Crowley. Crowley, good morning. How are you? Doing good, thank you. You can follow me on Twitter at Crowley's Cubs. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, fly the W670, and on Facebook at fly the W. And Dustin, I cannot be feeling any better. A sweep. The Cubs were Cubs swept. They they were they swept the uh, Phillies. They were not swept. It was amazing. Amazing. The first time since the year 2000, believe it or not, that they were able to do a sweep out in Philadelphia, another place that has not been very friendly to our Cubs, is the city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, if you will. Well, no brotherly love uh, for the Cubs in the past, so they went out there and kicked a little tail. I know that uh, when we were with you guys last, it was okay, don't get swept. Um, I thought, you know, we both thought one game would probably be the limit here as the Phillies uh, mathematically, of course, are still alive in the in the postseason hunt. They play in the really hard uh, National League East and are in third place right now, but they've been pretty darn good and uh, they just weren't very good this weekend. So let's get right to it, Crowley. Game one, the Cubs pound the Phillies 15-2. to two. It was a, it was beautiful. You got Justin Steele versus Kyle Gibson and you know, you get a little bit nervous, you know, because first batter of the game is our old friend, Kyle Schwarber. And what does he do? Solo home run. It, it, you just sat there and you're like, Oh, it's going to be one of these, but boom, no, with the you, dyno, boom, boom, <laughs> boom with the dynamite Crowley. I, I am not an Apple TV plus guy. So I was with Pat and Ron for this one. I was parked in my car, picking my daughter up for work. And I, I mean, they barely had settled into their seats. I understand that Apple TV was still running the lineups. It wasn't just the first at bat. It was the first pitch of the second half of the season. Boom. Ab- absolutely. They were running the lineup still up there and you, it just was shocking. You're just going, Oh no. But, uh, you know, Justin Steele settled it down a little bit. And then uh, Wilson Contreras, you know, Wilson was an interesting one. We talked about this on the podcast before. He was struggling before the All-Star break. We were wondering how much everything kind of was getting to him, maybe, possibly, who knows. But he had a fun time out there in um, Los Angeles, was with the family. And he had a solo home run that tied it at first. And then in the top of the fifth, 
I know Javier Baez will always be El Mago, which, you know, translates to magician. But boy, Morel sure can do some magic as well. Alfonso Rivas walks. Morel doubles, right? Rivas scores no problem. But the throw home gets cut off. And so they're going to try to get Morel at second. But the throw to second ends up in the outfield. No one's near it. Morel scores. Cubs are up three to one. It's just he always seems to be involved in those type of plays. Yeah, the old little league home run, if you will, right? It was great. And Contreras walks. Suzuki and Hap single. The Cubs are now up four to one. Horner doubles, scoring Suzuki and Hap. The Cubs are up six one. Wisdom adds a double. Cubs are up seven one. And it's just so nice to have a game where you can breathe and relax and know you're not going to give this up. Uh, one thing that was funny here is in the top of the eighth, Morel singles. Nelson Velasquez is a pinch hitter in the eighth inning. He hits a home run. So the Cubs now lead nine one. He would hit another in the ninth off Garrett Stubbs. I mean, let's say, you know, he's a position player pitching. Garrett Stubbs was in there to take the lumps for Philadelphia. But absolutely, the guy comes in, uh, Nelson Velasquez, in the eighth inning, hits two home runs with five RBIs. Absolutely ridiculous. So 15-2 is the final in game one. Steele was the one we talked about this before. He pitched five innings, gave four hits, one run, four walks, and two Ks. And I remember John Lester one time, you know, and, I, and we always refer to Lester because kind of similar bodies, similar builds, left-handers. But Lester says, you know, let's say you make 30 starts in a season. Ten games, usually you're going to have some really, really good stuff. You got it. Ten games, you're not, you're going to get lit up. And then the other ten games, you try to do the most that you can with, with stuff that's not that great. And I think that's what Steele did, in my opinion. Yeah, that's a really good observation, Crowley. He only had two Ks in that game, four walks. They didn't come back to uh, to haunt him, but uh, they definitely want to see him cut down on the walks. And I, I'm guessing that's the reason, plus the pitch count, while you know he only made it through five innings. Yeah, and like I said, able to get through but not give up any more. The bullpen pitched four solid innings. They gave up one run. But the offense was the story. 15 runs, 9 hits, six, 19 hits. Sorry about that. 6 walks. Contreras, 2 for 3 with an RBI. Suzuki, 4 for 5 with 2 RBIs. Hap, 4 for 6 with 2 RBIs. Morrell, 3 for 5 with 1 RBI. Talked about Velazquez, 2 for 2 with 2 homers, 5 RBIs. He became just a second Cub since 1901 to record a multi-homer game while coming off the bench. Thad Bosley did it. August 2nd, 1985 versus Montreal. For all you youngsters out there, that wasn't the Sandberg game. That was the Thad Bosley game. I remember that name. I don't necessarily remember that game. It was, I, I, I'm going to lie. I, I didn't remember it either, but I went and I looked up the, the box and he actually came in very late to the game too, but it was an eight to seven game. It wasn't a washout. So his home runs were very important in that game. So throwback to Thad Bosley. And what you like the most about that, Crowley, is Contreras, the two hits, Suzuki and Hap combined for eight. Christopher Morell adds three more and has the, you know, little kitty uh, inside the park home run based on the bad throw that gets past second. Velazquez. So the, the, this that's good. I mean, the, the confidence after game one for this Cubs offense had to be sky high because the offense was kind of broke, if you will, heading into the All-Star break. Yeah, we, we, we talked about runners in scoring position ad nauseum. We, we, we talked about just not able to get the big hit. And 
that really not able to get the big hit, especially in extra innings games, which takes us to game two. The Cubs win six to two. It sounds like uh, almost like a blowout, but it wasn't great pitching matchup. You had Marcus Stroman on the rubber for the Cubs and Zach Wheeler, who is having a great season for the Phillies. So that was a tough one. You know, you, you knew that was going to be a pitcher's duel. And we talked about Stroman kind of not going very deep in starts, kind of like spring training starts. And so it was very interesting to see what happens here. Uh, top of the second, Nico Horner hits a solo home run and the Cubs are up one nothing. And Dustin, I keep thinking about our conversations about him being a second baseman. And by no means am I comparing him to Ryan Sandberg, obviously a Hall of Famer. But but just, a, uh, boy, you know, with, with all the great shortstops on the market and and, and Nico doing what he's doing. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Nick Madrigal's in Iowa and he's starting to hit a little bit more, but a lot, a lot of, you know, just so good to see this power. The power to me is what's so surprising. Absolutely. It makes all the sense in the world to me to put him at second base and then go buy yourself the best, uh, the best shortstop you can, or, you know, who knows, maybe uh, Boston Red Sox are going to be sellers as well as the Cubs. And maybe there's some kind of move that could be made there. Right. Or, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but you know, in the, you know, Stroman keeps going, he makes it all the way into the seventh inning. Uh, Derek Hall though is going to double JT rule Muto singles games tied at one. The eighth innings where it gets interesting. Both teams had opportunities to kind of get ahead here and neither of them take advantage. Uh, wisdom had a leadoff double Schwindel grounds out. Bodie strikes out. Morella hits by a pitch. Nelson Velasquez walks. Bases loaded, two outs. Wilson Contreras pops out to second. We've talked about his struggles in the clutch. We saw it again. So yeah, I think he's just you know he's got to take his own advice, like we talked about before, right? He's got to he's got to take a step out of the batter's box, got to breathe a little bit, soak it all in. And this is the one. This is the one area. This is the one anti Wilson checkmark, if you will, is that he has not been very good in the clutch. Yep, and, and and you're thinking, oh, God, momentum shift. Here we go. Bottom of the eighth, Matt Veerling with a leadoff double. Schwarber strikes out. Hoskin grounds out, but Veerling moves to third. Nick Castellanos, former uh, Cub, is up to bat, and he strikes out swinging, and the Boo Birds let him have it in Philadelphia. Oh, boy. Talk about the city of brotherly love, man. That place will turn on an athlete like nothing boy did they get after him and i have to be honest it was well deserved yeah and, and so it's interesting because after the game he kind of got into it with the reporter reporter well, not kind of not, not kind of <laughs> he got into it not not kind of he full bore got into it with he, he got mad and, and and so the question was asked of him to nick castellanos did you hear the booze that that obviously, you know, was a dumb question. And and, and Castellano said as much. He said, no, I lost my hearing, kind of being sarcastic about it. <laughs> no, being a total smart ass. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and so the, the issue nice this morning, Crowley. I'm happy they swept. I am being absolutely, nice. <laughs> absolutely. But uh, you know, just seeing them go at it, but but he, you know, then he starts asking the other reporters, you want to answer that for him? And, and and the question wasn't framed well, and Nick Castellanos didn't answer the question like a professional. Obviously, he's frustrated, uh, but it, it was definitely a heated exchange. And whoever that Philly reporter was, he wasn't backing down from Castellanos either, you know, telling him, you know, you should be able to answer the question. And and so it was a, definitely a heated exchange. And, you know, we remember Nick Castellanos here in Chicago. I mean, he absolutely tore it up 
when he was here that second half. And there were a lot of people mad when he did not resign with the Cubs, uh, but he signed that big contract. He did great with the Reds. And then he signs the big contract with Philly and he just really not doing well this year. And they need him to with Bryce Harper out. So uh, that takes us to the 10th inning, top of the 10th. Nico is the courtesy runner at second, or as some people refer to it as the Manford man. Um, Wisdom is called out on strikes and didn't like the call. Ross is ejected by CB Buckner, classic CB Buckner game, bad calls on both sides equal, you know, but Ross is thrown out again. Not really his fault. He was trying to make sure wisdom didn't get thrown out, kind of take the heat off wisdom, but he's gone. Horner then steals third. Schwindel hits a high chopper. The old contact play to third baseman Alex Bohm. Remember that name, third baseman Alex Bohm, because this is the inning from hell for this guy. His throw to the to Real Muto goes to the first base side, and so he has to kind of it's the, the throws to the first base side. He has to kind of turn his body to try to tag uh, Horner, who's sliding into home, and he's safe. If that throw is more accurate, I think that Nico is out but an aggressive play and the Cubs take a two to one lead in the 10th. And there's no doubt they're going aggressive with how much bad luck they've had in extra inning games. Yeah. They've had no luck whatsoever in extra inning games so far, Crowley. And um, I really love how aggressive the Cubs have been overall on the bases. They've got nothing to lose. Why not? It gets the players engaged, gets the fans excited. I like that Ross and his staff really have that mindset to get guys in motion. Good old Willie Harris on that one. Uh, so now the Cubs lead two to one, and and Bodie will then double off the glove of Alex Bohm. It wasn't an error, but one of those plays that you knew the guy was mad that he thought he should have had it. So Schwindel goes to third. Morell singles. Schwindel scores. Cubs lead three one. Morell steals second. Nelson Velasquez reaches on an error by guess who? Alex Bohm. So Bodie scores, Morell scores, Velasquez to second, Cubs lead five to one, Contreras doubles. And so the Cubs now have a six to one lead. And so it was just, like I said, bad throw by Bohm, a ball that goes off his glove that he, you know, wasn't called an error, but probably should have had. And then a actual error that was just a brutal inning. And you just, you, you know, the guy just wanted to disappear into the hedges. Yeah, it was one of those like Southwest Airlines want to get away kind of moments, right? And uh, I'm sure he was getting uh, a few of those uh, bur- boos that uh, Nick Castellanos was receiving also. As we talked about, the Cubs played the most extra innings games in baseball so far this season. They were 3-11 and before this game, so it was nice to actually take one. Stroman, like we said, he went six innings. He got pulled in the seventh, five hits, one run, two walks, five Ks. He has a .93 ERA in his last five road starts. And then the bullpen of, of Brault, Gibbons, Robertson, Hughes went four innings, one hit, one walk, five runs, and they only gave up one run, but it was the courtesy runner. So, you know, you're not charged on that. So it's an unearned run. So the Cubs take the first two games of the series. Yeah, very nice, very nice pitching night for uh, Stroman and the back half of that bullpen. Really, really well done, really well executed. And um, I think we're starting to see the guy that the uh, Cubs – invested in in the offseason in Marcus Stroman. He keeps putting he's had a couple of good starts back to back now. There there's no doubt that this guy can that Marcus can pitch. It's just been a matter of his health and, and he's talked about how the uh abbreviated spring training he just never kind of felt right and and combine that with getting COVID and combine that with a shoulder issue, 
And, you know, he just hasn't been able to, you know, he's kind of been spinning his wheels. We, we know what this guy can do, and, and I look forward to continue to see what Marcus does every time out. Takes us into game three, Crowley. It was an early one. I don't know if you had a late night Saturday night, but uh, early, early start at breakfast with the Cubs. What do they say? When you're out with the Owls, you got to wake up early if you want to rise with the Eagles. No worries. In uh, this one right here, Drew Smiley, um, you know, he's starting to come on strong, and especially the last couple starts, you wonder that if there is a team that might be interested in pitching, if Drew Smiley, who has missed a lot of time as well, has shown enough that somebody may want to kind of roll the dice here. Uh, top of the third, Jan Gomes with a solo home run to left to give the Cubs a 1-0 lead. One out, Nelson Velasquez walks. Chris Morrell doubles, scoring Velasquez. Cubs lead 2-0. Horner was hit by a pitch. Wisdom walks. You have the bases loaded, one out. Suzuki called out on strikes and Hap grounds out. You kind of felt like you left. Uh, you should have you had more runs in that inning. Top of the fourth, Jan Gomes does it again. A homer almost to the exact same spot. The Cubs lead 3-0. Bodie strikes out. Nelson Velasquez homers. And so you had two homers in the inning. Cubs are up 4-0. You're feeling pretty good. You feel really good at this point. This is when you're starting to feel a little bit puffy-chested. I mean, and you mentioned it, Crowley. I wanted to give you this tip of the cap. And I, the first time I thought about it was when Gomes homered that first time early on. It just came in just on the right side of the foul pole in order for him to go around the bases. But you mentioned in the last podcast that Gomes would be a guy to keep an eye on, that he has hit the Philadelphia pitching really well. Right. And, and, and it came, he came through again here, you know, two homers and now, you know, four, nothing, all good. In fact, the, the Phillies didn't get their first hit off Drew Smiley until there was two outs in the fifth. So he, he retired, perfect, right? He had a perfect game going to that point. Perfecto retired the first 14 batters, but unfortunately Bryson Stout doubles, Alex Bohm singles and the Cubs lead is now four to one. Okay. You know, getting a little nervous. The bottom of the sixth, though, that's where, where all of a sudden I'm in a full-blown panic because the, the bad Cubs defense all of a sudden shows up here. Uh, Garrett Stubbs hits a pop fly, and Bodie is absolutely cannot find it, and the ball lands probably – and he wasn't even close to it. It was about like four or five feet to his right and about four or five feet further in front of him. He had no clue where that ball was. I was very confused what was going on in that situation. And so now you got a runner at first. And, and, and can we say something about baseball? I think we all agree that should not be called a hit. That's no, ridiculous. No, 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 no. I, I can't believe that in all the years of baseball, in, all, in this era of advanced statistics, nobody can come up with something to say that's a team error or team defense error or just call it an error. I mean, that's, I, don't, I don't feel like it's, it's one of those situations where it's a judgment call. He clearly should have had that ball. Should have had it. E, E4. E4. Matt Beerling lines out to Suzuki. Schwarber's up. And he hits a pop fly backwards and Gomes, it pops in and out of his glove. He uh, is charged with an air. That is an air because it hit his glove. Maybe if he would have missed it, then he wouldn't have gotten the air. But uh, after that, what ends up happening is Schwarber grounds out to Nico. And so Stubbs, who reached on the, the air, what should have been an air by Bodie, is moving on the on the ground ball by Schwarber, and then it would a shift. You know how they always shift Schwarber. No one covers third, and this has to be something that it's not just the Cubs; it's all teams. As you shift, you got you know there has to be more practice on defense on that because you know Wisdom's playing 
the short right field type situation. Every or no, was he at second and then Nico wasn't short right? And it's all you know, it's all kind of messed up, but somebody's got to know to cover third, and it was a heads up base running by Stubbs. So it really should have been the, the second out with nobody or the third out, and the inning third should have out. been over. And instead, you you have Stubbs at third, Reese Hoskins singles, and Stubbs scores, and the Cubs lead is now cut in half. It's four to two. Yeah, I, I, this is when I got nervous, Crowley. It was it was exactly at that moment. Another defensive error, as we talked about a few minutes ago, and now all of a sudden that lead is cut in half. And I texted somebody. I said, "Here they go. They're going to try to give this one away." Exactly, and, and you're you're getting freaked out here. But it's it's now you get into the eighth, and Garrett Stubbs, who this wasn't a, this wasn't a little pop up. This was a home run. The game is now four to three. The Cubs have a one run lead in the bottom of the eighth and I am sweating profusely and pacing back and forth all over the place. <laughs> I was I was sweating profusely because I was listening to this game. It was in my pocket, and I was actually pulling weeds, a little look behind the curtain. So I was weeding and listening to Pat and Ron on the Odyssey app. Nice. And so I'm getting nervous here. We get to the ninth inning, and, and, and here you go again. Okay, just get it through. David Robertson, Mr. Trade Ship right here, comes in. Castiano pops out. The Boo Birds are back out. Uh, but Brian St- Bryson Stott walks, Alex Bohm singles. You have two on for Didi Gregorius. He lines out, Stubbs strikes out, Cubs sweep the first of the season. Smiley, excellent, six innings, four hits, two runs. Again, one of those shouldn't even count. One earned run, it didn't count. Zero walks, four Ks. Let me say something. Christopher Morrell, two for four with one walk and an RBI. You had two games, one on Peacock and one on uh, Apple TV. And so these are two guys, two broadcast crews that don't really have a lot of experience uh, watching the Cubs. You did You did have, what's his name, uh, on Sunday from Peacock. His name is, is eluding me right now, but he was, uh, he was uh, one of the commentators along with John Crook. Um, but these are not guys that watch the Cubs every single day. And so you saw a lot of guys very impressed with what Christopher Morrell brought to the table. And it was everything. It was hits. It was hits for power. It was it was sp- uh, spraying the ball around, stealing bases. He had a fantastic play at second base. He was really on fire this weekend, and it was so awesome to see. Um, and, and Gomes was two for four with two home runs. Velasquez, another guy who had a great weekend, two for three with two runs and an RBI. So, you know, we talked on the last episode about the young guys and what we want to see. And, you know, just so great to see Morel and Velasquez. It's a good problem to have. What do you have? What do you do with these guys? And we're going to talk in a little bit about the hot stove and what's going on, but, but I don't know if these guys are the answer, but it, it's good. It's a good issue to have when you see them contributing, especially as much as they did this weekend. Right. They're both fun to watch. Glad to see them. And I think that is something that is, we're going to have to keep our eye on and to kick around exactly how much are we going to see Nelson Velasquez? Where is he going to play? Who's, who's he going to take bats away from? Who's he going to take uh, reps away from? It is something that we definitely will be discussing. You're listening to the Fly the W670 The Score podcast. This is season one, episode 18, Cubs sweep, not swept. 
And as we were talking in the previous segment, it's time to move our attention over to some hot stove. The Major League Baseball trade deadline is August the 2nd, early next week. And uh, we expect that the Cubs will be losing a couple of players, hopefully getting some good things back in return. Crowley, let's start with an athletic article that said both Ian Happ and Wilson Contreras could be going together in a package to the Padres, a trade partner that the Cubs are very familiar with. Yeah, obviously, Jed at one time was the GM over there. Um, they they have tra- done plenty of trades before, including the U Darvish trade. Uh, it's interesting because the Padres have such a deep system, and you the Padres, you wonder what they're going to do because Tatis, we don't know when he's going to be back. But this is a team that's supposed to win, and you know th- this is this is the kind of move you got to make. Sometime is pushing some chips to get two pieces that you may need, and if you do that, you're getting two all stars. So the return should be great. Now we all have talked about how Wilson Contreras, uh, our friends at Obvious Shirts, Joe Johnson, Joe Obvious is uh, having a Wilson kind of a goodbye party as we speak right now down at at his sh- uh, store on uh, Clark and Grace, but. You know, the other question was, do you give Hap an extension or not? And that's, uh, you know, when you think about packaging those two guys in, this now becomes an interesting situation. You you have a, a bunch of young outfielders right now, and you have a bunch of really good young outfielders in the system, okay? And so the question that we're kind of looking at here is let's say you do package those three guys or two guys and you get a very nice return. And when we talk about very nice return, I would like to see higher level prospects. I don't want 17, 18, 19 year olds. I would like to see more of the double A type prospects, guys that are about 22, 23, that could be very much major league ready. If not this season, then at least competing for a job next season. Right, they need $25 scratch-offs, Crowley. No more no more five single-dollar scratch-offs. They need like a nice, easy-to-understand $25 scratch-off for a guy like this. And, you know, the thing with Ian Happ, I like Ian Happ. Ian Happ's been very good to the score. He's a regular, seems like a really down-to-earth good guy. I was happy that he made the All-Star. But his value is never going to be higher than it is right now. And as you mentioned a second ago, they have a plethora of young outfielders. Okay. And you got Suzuki. He's going to be the guy in right for at least five years. Okay. So now you got two more spots. Oh, and then we just talked about Christopher Morrell. Is Morrell's better spot center or at second? Oh, and then, oh, by the way, I mentioned that Nico Horner probably should be the second baseman if he wants to be an all-star. So now all of a sudden, so now really you only have one spot in the outfield in the next couple of years coming up. And who is going to be that guy in left field every day for the Cubs? And, you know, I hate, I hate to, you know, I'm going to bring up this name, Jackson uh, Frazier, a, you know, formerly known as Clint Frazier, but he's doing a really good job in Iowa. So you take a look, you said Suzuki and right, you and I have both. And I think Cubs nation agrees with all of us that it, it is time for Jason Hayward to ride the bench. If you're not going to DFA him and, and you have a DH position available And so if you're talking about the trade deadline and you do see, um, let's say Contreras goes, well, then you're you're looking at Gomes being your primary catcher and P.J. Higgins is your backup. And then when you talk about the outfield, and I I, I know, you know, Nikki two strikes. uh, (laughs) I'm waiting for the who. 
But when you talk about Nikki, uh, I'm so you- frustrated by him right now, Crowley. I feel like the, the Sox owe the Cubs a, a, a mulligan or a do-over. I mean, he has been so terrible and so unavailable. Oh, I'm steaming about it. But let, let, let's again, he's starting to do better in Iowa. You could potentially, nobody's signing any shortstop right now. You got Xander Bogarts. Uh, available in the offseason. You have Carlos Correa with his opt-outs, another big class. But again, you need to see what you got. And so if you had Horner and Madrigal up the middle, if they're ready to do that, that's fine. And then you can play in the outfield with Morel, Velasquez, and Clint Frazier. So those are three guys that you can you can and throw in the DH in that and you have now have you know, you can see those guys on a regular basis, give them regular at bats and try to make a decision if any of those pieces are what you want to continue with in the future. This is what this is all about. And the trade deadline, we're, we're, we're talking about, you know, right, what is it, a week away? Are we getting close to about a little week and a half away? That's right. Next Tuesday, I believe, August 2nd. So we we better sit here and take a look at this. And and, and it is very, if Ian Happ is someone that, like you said, nice guy, a good guy to the score, all that stuff, but he's been very up and down his career. Is he going to, you know, for the next six years be an all-star? I don't know. But I, I, I do know right, right now that there's opportunities and you have a lot of guys in the minors that are going to be banging on the door real soon, whether it's PCA, whether you're talking about, um, whether you're talking about, about Brennan, Brennan, Brennan Davis. Davis. Right? Yep. How about Brennan Davis? He's supposed to be the hottest guy. Right. All these guys that are, they're going to be banging on the door shortly. It's, it's going to be interesting and, and it may be, if you're going to go, if the Cubs are going to really do the rebuild with a capital R, then go for it then, I guess. I guess they go for it. Uh, another guy that's going to get moved, no doubt, is Juan Soto, the uh, outfielder for the Nationals who apparently turned down $440 million in guaranteed money. I would love that to be something that I could have to sit around and consider, but uh, he's uh, no longer going to be a national, and they're looking for prospects. And the team, Crowley, that is rumored to be at the top of the list to have the chips needed to get a Juan Soto is none other than the St. Louis Cardinals. And, Crowley, I'm wondering, as uh, the biggest Cub fan that I know, what would your reaction be if the Cardinals traded for Juan Soto? Uh, it would it would be uh, resigned to the fact. It, almost the second you heard that Soto didn't sign the first thing I thought of is he's going to go to the Cardinals, just like when Arenado went to the Cardinals, just like when Goldschmidt went to the Cardinals. I'm just sitting here going, this is going to be, and the thing that scares you is this kid is for real. You saw him in the home run derby and different from Arenado and different from Goldschmidt. This kid hasn't even hit his prime yet. He is young. And the, what makes you nervous, you know, obviously the New York team's, have been mentioned, but let's be honest. The Cardinals are not winning the world series this year. Definitely no one from the NL central is winning the world series, not saying they can't get into the playoffs or get on a run, but you can sit, they can still be competitive in the NL central, give up a bunch of guys and still, uh, and still make a run with soda where you wonder if the Mets and Yankees, I don't think that I think they believe they're much closer to the world series and do not want to do anything to damage, you know, what's going on with their teams kind of interrupt the flow of what's going on to give up because the nationals are not just looking for your best prospects. They are also looking for young major league talent. That's already playing and, and is semi proven so far. And the Cardinals fit the bill. 
The Cardinals farm system, I don't think it has the depth that the Cubs system has, but they do have three or four very high-end prospects that could be very appealing to the uh, Nationals. And so when you think about all the made-up players that the Cardinals have, when you look at Harrison Bader and Lars Newtbar and a lot of young guys like that, plus that, I, I think that the Cardinals would be really I'm, – I'm trying to think of what other teams would potentially make that trade because, like I said, I think that most of the other teams that would obviously want Juan Soto are going for it, and even some of those teams don't have the system – that the Cardinals have with some of the top tier prospects and top young or good young players that can play right now. Well, one of the rumors I heard though, was what the Cardinals can offer is that plethora of talent. Another team though, with a little bit more money to spend, maybe the Padres, maybe the Dodgers, where they might not have the prospects. They are going to also be willing to take on another bad contract that the nationals have and kind of pay it off, if you will. So that's the only thing I, I think in the short term, it would be really painful for Cubs fans. But in the long run, I almost say bring it on. I mean, when you commit, I mean, again, 440, that's not enough. So you're talking minimum, minimum half a billion dollars. And I just think long term, that would absolutely handcuff the Cardinals, even though there's no cap or anything like that. I just think it would be good for them in the short term, but very bad for them in the long term. So I would I would say bring it on. The Cubs aren't going to get them. The Cubs aren't in this, I don't think. So go ahead and bring it on, and let's just make this rivalry uh, just a little bit more intense, if you will. Here's the thing. is What is Soto? Is Soto about, what, 23? Yeah, 23, 24 tops, right? So you're looking at a guy that has at least another seven years. I I just get nervous because what the Cardinals – and we talked about this when we talked about the draft. The Cardinals have always been known for being a team – that is at the forefront of player development and they get mo the most they can out of their players. And the one thing you notice is when they leave St. Louis, they're nowhere, nowhere near as good as when they were in St. Louis. So it's that St. Louis devil magic that you deal with. And so I do get nervous because I feel like that the Cardinals can turn around and develop some talent to fit around him. And the one thing the Cardinals always usually do well is find pitching. So it just, it, it, I'm just always nervous. I guess that when, it, when you mention the Cardinals, I get panicky. So, you know, imagine him going to the Dodgers and the juggernaut that team would be. You're listening to the fly, the W six seventy podcast. This is season one, episode 18 Cubs sweep, not swept. That's right. The Cubs, if you're just jumping in, have swept the Phillies, something they have not done in Philadelphia since the year 2000. So the Cubs are coming back home as we are taping this Monday afternoon they'll be hosting the pirates for crowley's favorite a two-game series against the bucks yeah another even game series and i will be going to wrigley field tonight and so hopefully you'll all be listening to this podcast on the way to the game i know i will <laughs> i will too now crowley what's your record you're about 500 this year at wrigley yeah, right now? i'm about 500 which is pretty decent considering how bad they are i know a few other people that have some worse records but uh you know it's it's tough like i said this pirates team is not the team that we've grown accustomed to being bad the last six or seven years they're a much better team cubs are five and eight against pittsburgh this season uh they're three and four against the pirates at wrigley and two and four at pnc so I would really like to see a win. I, I, you know, they sunk it up on my birthday, which I think was the last time I saw him on July 12th. 
against the Orioles. So I, I'm hoping, but but you know, it's tough when you go when you with a team like this with the Cubs, you never know what you're going to get. They they could look like they did in Philadelphia, or they can look like they did against the Mets, and and you just don't know. Yeah, you don't know. I'm, I'm just hoping – here's what I'm hoping for. Uh, Adrian Sampson's thrown tonight. We'd like a, a strong performance. I want the offense to not go back into reverse with runners in scoring position. I don't want that to continue to be their Achilles heel. They were great with runners in scoring position. They flexed their muscles. They hit a bunch of home runs out in Philadelphia. Should be a decent night at Wrigley. It's not going to be extra warm, so I'm not saying that the ball is going to be flying out, but I just don't want them to regress with that runners in scoring position. No, absolutely agree. And the thing that you and I have continually talked about is watching the development of the young pitchers. Um, the two guys that we have going on, we have JT Brubaker, who has struggled mightily this season. He's 2-8, and eight, 402 ERA with 97 Ks. Uh, so the Cubs should be able to hit him. Adrian Sampson is pitching, and like I said, he's kind of like the bad luck guy where he, not bad luck, but he just, the offense doesn't seem to really perform. He's 0-1 but he has a very respectable 334 ERA with 23 Ks, and he always has seemed to keep the Cubs in it. The Pirates don't have a lot of experience against Samson, but the Cubs have plenty against Brubaker. Wilson Contreras uh, only bats 200 against him, so it might be a nice day to get Wilson off his feet. Ian Happ, though, 333 and 18 at-bats versus JT Brubaker. Uh, Rafael Ortega, you might see him in leadoff today in 10 at-bats. He bats 500. And Frank Schwindel, who really needs to get going here, uh, he has uh, 571 and 7 at-bats for JT Brubaker. So I would look at those three guys and, and hope that they have a good night tonight. Crowley, I want to dive into something you just mentioned there about Wilson Contreras. Now, if you listen to the score enough and you listen to Molly and Haw, you hear me always wanting to put guys in bubble wrap when they're wasted reps and wasted opportunities. And, and I would say at this point, I don't know how many more times you need to see Wilson Contreras squatting down behind home plate, putting on the tools of ignorance, if you will. But you're going tonight. And we had talked about before whether or not uh, Wilson has played his last game as a Chicago Cub at Wrigley Field. Um, he will be in the Wrigley field dugout tonight, unless something crazy happens in the next five or six hours. Um, but would you, you know, for you as a fan, you're going to the game tonight. How disappointed would you be if Wilson is off his feet altogether tonight, not DHing, not catching and sitting on the bench. And then when they head out to San Francisco and they hit that trade deadline, he's gone. And then your last opportunity to see him in person, you are robbed of that, if you will. As a fan, it's absolutely brutal. Um, it, I remember last year, uh, right near the trade deadline, uh, I went to a game, and that was the last game ever that, that uh, Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant were both out of the lineup. Okay, so right away, red flags all over the place as I'm going to the game. And, the, you know, it gets to the later part of the game. And I want to say the Cubs are losing. It's not really close. Uh, you know, we all wanted either Anthony Rizzo or Chris Bryant to take a pinch hit at bat. Everybody just wanted one more time to thank the guys. Literally, the last two guys to touch the ball, that was the final out of the World Series, 5-3 to end the 108-year drought. And we all just wanted it, and it never happened. And it was on the ride home that uh, that after that game, I remember I'm driving home, and it was Rizzo who was traded, which was just an absolute 
shock to all of us because, like I said, Rizzo was the guy you thought was probably going to give you the least return and most likely to stay, and you never know, but he was gone, and that was a shocker. And uh, that was it. I, 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 I never got to see him again in a cub in Cubs pinstripe, Anthony Rizzo of all players and Chris Bryant. Uh, and so they went on the, I think then the next day, I think they were on the road and Baez got traded in the morning. And I think uh, Bryant was kind of the last of the three and he was already in the dugout of the team they were playing on the away game. And when he got the news and broke down. So as a fan, it's absolutely heartbreaking because you love these guys so much and you support them. You know, Wilson's first at bat as a cub home run, boom. And not only that, his backstory about how much he loved this team and tried to, you know, to, to, he wasn't, he wasn't a blue chip prospect. He wasn't some elite in some elite camp. He worked every, his tail off to get where he was. And and so it's going to be really hard if he's not in the lineup, because I do want to, you know, be able to see him one last time. Uh, as a cub, I, I have no uh, illusions that he's coming back. I don't care what he's, you know. I, obviously, Wilson's going to say the right things, but you know, he's not coming back if they trade him. They're not offering him an extension, and he's coming back. That's not happening. This is this is very much probably the last two games that Wilson Contreras will be in a Cubs uniform. Well, if he is off his feet, which does make all the baseball sense in the world for him to be off his feet tonight, you know that the speculation as soon as that game ends and going into tomorrow morning is going to be off the charts. Yeah, and 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 we'll see what happens. So I'll be I'll be tweeting both for um on you can you know at Carly's Cubs and I'll be putting stuff up at Fly the W as well. As, as things are going down, I'm going to be heading down to Wrigley after we're done recording. So it's going to be a, a very this is this is what we've been waiting for not waiting for but more like dreading all week is anticipation, right? <laughs> right. The waiting the waiting is the hardest part is. Uh, as a, as a famous song uh, once went. Tom, so, good old Tom Petty. There you go, Tom Petty. So game two, Crowley, we've also been waiting to see Keegan Thompson's first start since the All-Star break, and this is something else that Cubs fans, both listening on 670 score or watching on marquee, this is another reason to tune in is because you want to keep an eye on Keegan Thompson and see him continue to develop as a starter. Yeah, it's Bryce Wilson, who's 1-5, 652 ERA with 38 Ks versus Keenan Thompson, 7-4 and four with a 343 ERA. Uh, you know, neither neither guy, neither teams have seen the opposing pitchers too much. You know, small sample sizes. Wilson against Bryce uh, Wilson, Wilson Contreras against Bryce Wilson, has a 333 average and nine at-bats, and that's really the most that anyone on the team has. No one has more than uh, six at-bats versus Keegan Thompson, so... You know, if Wilson's definitely not in the lineup tomorrow, then then you know it's it's going to be a fever pitch when you talk about trade speculation. So there's plenty of opportunities here. The Cubs should take two games. They're not facing tough pitching this time around, as you talked about. You want to see the offense contribute. Uh, Adrian Sampson and Keegan had a little time off. You have to wonder with Keegan Thompson, with Justin Steele, with Adrian Sampson, especially uh, Thompson and Steele, what kind of pitch limits they have. You know, are they going to be done at the beginning of September and just said, hey, you know, get ready for next year, rest that arm up, which is what I'm anticipating would probably happen. And then starting to see pitching come up from AAA, a couple guys that are doing pretty well down there. But, uh, you know, we talked about Caleb Killian as well and a couple other guys that you may see, Lighter Jr., those type of guys. So this is it. Uh, You know, this is the last stand before the trade deadline. So, you know, say your goodbyes. You know, I, I don't know what else, you know, like I said, it's very hard for me as a fan to, to think about it. You know, we're down to three Cubs left from that 2016 team, Wilson, Jason Hayward, and Kyle Hendricks. 
And we so, might not see we might not see any of them do anything else this year for the Cubs. I hope they do the right thing. I hope that he um, doesn't catch in either of the next two games. Okay, but I hope that tonight, if there's a pinch hit opportunity, he takes it. And I hope that done uh, that day game on uh, on Tuesday afternoon that he is the DH for the Cubs. Yeah, it'd be, it would be great to see, and it'd be great for the fans. But like you said, they wrap these guys in bubble wrap, and and and. If they weren't going to let Bryant or Rizzo have one last at bat, you know, that kind of just shows you the mentality there. You don't want to risk anything right now when you're this close. When you're this close. All right, Crowley, prediction time. Uh, a sweep, get swept, or a split? Where, where, where are you, where's your head right now? Well, I have been wrong pretty much all season saying you really can't get swept in these two-game series, but I am going to say the Cubs are going to sweep. They are coming off a great uh, start against great uh, start of the season, second half with Philly. I like the pitchers going. I like the pitchers they're facing, and the offense looked good. I'm going Cubs sweep. I'm with you. I just wonder if they can sweep them if uh, we don't see any Wilson Contreras Monday night or Tuesday afternoon. So that's a wrap of Season 1, Episode 18. We called this one Cubs sweep, not swept, after the Cubs went out to Philadelphia and for the first time since the year 2000, swept the Phillies out in Philadelphia. Hope you guys have enjoyed this edition of it, and Crowley and I will be back later on this week with a wrap of the two-game series against the Pirates, and then they head out west, and they take on the San Francisco Giants. And don't forget to follow us on our socials. You can find us at Instagram and Twitter at FlyTheW670, Facebook at FlyTheW, and don't forget our email address, FlyTheW670 at gmail.com.